The Red Agenda is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store over 18 only please gamble responsibly hundreds of thousands hold their breath on Merseyside it's Xabi Alonso for three three is saved and Alonso follows it in it's wonderful it's marvellous This is the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall. James Pearce and Simon Hughes are here. So it finally comes to an end after 44 games. But is it the worst thing for this Liverpool side? Or is it a necessary prompt to get them back on track for uh, the season to end in the fashion that we all want? Right, let's have a chat with the boys, my lads. Hello. Uh, So tackle that first of all, a defeat. (laughs) So, was it always on the cards? Did you feel that way, James? Uh, Not this particular I, game, but around this time. Yeah, I think you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you you look back at the the previous couple of weeks and you think it wasn't a complete shock, was it? Because since the winter break, Liverpool haven't haven't been at it. Four disjointed performances, uh, no real fluency. You know, they they got away with it at Norwich, and you know it was that was a scrappy game then. You know, they they go away to Madrid and perform really poorly against an admittedly you know very well drilled Atletico team, and then West Ham was a real struggle and had to had to really scrap to to get over the line there. So you know, when when you put it as the you know the fourth game in that sequence, you know you could say it, it you know a, a, a poor result had been on the cards, but in saying that, it, the performance was still a shock in in terms of. You know, I was trying to rack my brains watching it, thinking when did Liverpool last play this poorly in the Premier League? And you know, I think you probably have to go back to the last time they they lost a league game by more than one goal, which was Tottenham at Wembley four one October twenty seventeen. Mm. And that that that's how long you have to go back because there were just no redeeming fe- features or qualities about that performance. You know, there wasn't it wasn't there was no hard luck story. There was no you know, little fine margins going against them. They were absolutely abject from from start to finish. And, you know, I was talking with a few fans on the way back on the train, you know, who would you have as your man of the match? And, you know, usually this season we're talking about six, seven, eight contenders because it's been such an unbelievable team effort. But... Well, even with the West Ham game, Trent at least stood out yeah, maybe yeah, a bit yeah, for yeah. that but, one. You know, but, from but this was... Vicarage Road on Saturday, I, I don't think... You know, and I'm sure we'll come on to Dayan Lovren in, in a bit. You know, He was obviously a lightning rod for, for criticism. But I, I don't think there was a single player in that Liverpool team who could walk away from there on Saturday night saying, do you know what, You know, I can hold my head high in terms of what I've produced. I think what you would have to say is they aren't machines, they're human beings and... The consistency they've produced so far this season has been, you know, like like we've never seen. You know, in, in, no one's ever seen consistency like it before. So, you know, I think that they should be. You know, you've got to cut them a bit, a bit of slack when they have a bad day. But that, that you can definitely file that under that bad. That was day. really poor, wasn't it? This Liverpool team have been carrying this constant conversation of can they surpass what the Arsenal Invincibles did? That's obviously <laughs> gone now. Afterwards, Virgil Van Dijk said the media was obsessed by the records, not themselves. Mm. Internally, they were disappointed. But him and even the manager seem to maybe indicate that that has never been their focus, Son. 
Well, that's what they always say, isn't it? After the game, it becomes a bit repetitive. But, you know, I think I, I do believe that that's the way they approach things, you know, the, the game by game sort of mantra, which is incredibly boring. I think when you're in the throes of a football season, you're trying to get over the line. There's, 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 many, there's no other way to think, is there really? But, I mean, they were well and truly turned over, I thought, on Saturday. You know, like, as James said, that there was, there was no redeeming feature of the game. And, and Watford's... Um, played incredibly well I thought they were excellent at Anfield as well before Christmas and could have if he took the chances in that game it could have been a very different outcome you know I think it just reminds as well that that, that when I think about Liverpool this season they have been relentlessly brilliant in terms of how they've churned out win after win after win but when you actually think about great performances in the season Leicester away was unbelievable performance one of the best I've seen of any Liverpool team an outstanding performance if anybody watched that game will will say it was the performance of, of, of a great football team but they've had to work incredibly hard to get to where they are you know to open up that gap you know I think that there's been the big discussion hasn't it about the standards of the Premier League and where whether it's it's a good league or a lot of people seem to think it's one of the worst ever but I, you know the teams at the bottom of the league have given Liverpool a really tough tough games over the course of this season you know you look at uh, Norwich look at um, obviously Watford in two games have been very good you look at Aston Villa I'm not going to go on about that because uh, I do every week is that a big win? <laughs> big win <laughs> um, I had to get the mention in so there was that game obviously and, and you know aside from maybe Bournemouth away they've obviously got on Saturday it'd be interesting to see how they perform because they've obviously got a half decent result last weekend you know, they've had to work incredibly hard to get to where they are. This idea that Liverpool, they've run away with it in terms of points, but they've had to work very hard to get there, I think. And I just felt on, on Saturday that, that they didn't seem to have the legs in the team quite as much. You know, they weren't moving the ball as, as quick as they normally would. I mean, I think when Jordan Henderson's not there, they they do miss him just because of his his energy is now some people have said well you know he's he's all people said he's a leader he's been the Liverpool captain for for five years now and they have lost games badly in the past but I think his leadership qualities and his his uh, his performances this season have increased dramatically based on you know previous seasons you know he, I've said it before but he, I think he's always thought that he was a Liverpool player Liverpool captain he now knows he haven't won the Champions League and he's been incredible this season I think him not being there um, they seem to lack a bit of authority in the middle of midfield. Fabinho who's not been quite at it since he's got back and you know, a bit of a voice in midfield as well, just 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 having without without James Milner, that's beginning to tell. Now those sorts of two players, when they're there, not there week after week, I think it probably tells a little bit eventually. And it was you know, it might just be a bad day at, at you know, bad day at the office. Sorry about the cliche, but it was a bit of a worrying performance I thought because you just didn't see that level of, of, of badness coming really I mean, there's all sorts of players who, who just normally wouldn't play that badly didn't seem alert well and truly beaten and Liverpool can have no complaints the only the only complaints actually would be Troy Deeney I think should have been sent off in the first half for the tackle on Trent now that could be a game changer we talk about VAR there hasn't been a great deal of discussion about it you know I think the, the, I don't know whether because there's this perception of Liverpool being uh, benefiting from these decisions over the course of the season, which obviously isn't true. Statistically, you look at it. Mm. There was not a great deal of debate about Deeney's foul on Trent, which was stood showing late, connected with his leg. It's a sending off in, in the modern game. Now, it's not a sending off in the game of football that I'd like to play or watch, but in the modern game, that should be a red card. I, I felt... Do you not think that, that all factored into that, I think, was 
Henderson's absence because I think if Henderson's on the field yeah, when that yeah. happens, he is straight in Nobody Michael Oliver's face, saying, you know, you've got to take it because obviously Michael Oliver saw it and played advantage. So and obviously you think, God, that's a terrible tackle. He's obviously in big trouble once the ball goes out. I think it went out for a corner, hmm. and then it was like I couldn't believe that no Liverpool player went to Michael Oliver. And of course you say, well, it shouldn't have needed that for Michael Oliver to to either. Go and go and deal with Deeney having seen it, or ask VAR for assistance. But there's no, yeah, there's no doubt. If Jordan Henderson's on that pitch, he is straight up to him, demanding that 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 it is taken a look of. And I, yeah, I just couldn't. I, I just when well, you, when you think, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like, I, you don't like people getting sent off for for stupid things, but that was that was reckless. Yeah. He, was, he was out of control. You see a lot of players get sent off for less than that. It reminds he didn't it, even get a yellow. Do you remember last season when James Miller got sent off against Crystal Palace? It yeah. was the same. He only, I think, might be um, contradicting myself. He, I think it was a second yellow second card. Yellow that, was, that, that, yeah. but, but I think I remember at the time a lot of people saying it was a red card, you know, straight up anyway. There was not even any discussion around it afterwards. I just found that a bit strange. Um, well, that's where Henderson yeah. does have the personality, isn't it? With, yeah. with it? within the Liverpool side, not just how they play, but also reacting to those moments as the captain. Yeah, and it, it is quite obvious, obviously, if him or Milner are not out there. I think Milner sometimes does yeah. a, a similar sort of thing, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? It's that authority that you you can't really interpret how they do it, but they do do it. Yeah, yeah. and it, and I think that lack of out on field leadership. Did, did contribute mm. to that performance because it, it just drifted. That was the thing because, as Simon said before, it hasn't been just a bed of roses, free-flowing football, blowing teams away every week. Liverpool have had periods of adversity in a lot of games this season, but they've had this amazing ability to dig deep mm. and, 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 and grind it out and find a way. But that just never, it never happened. Like, even... I was watching that on Saturday. I was at Vicarage Road, and I was thinking, you know, even at half time, you think there's been quite a few games like this this season. I remember, you know, you, you know, even think back to you know the West Ham earlier on in the week, and you think the Liverpool will raise it in the second half, and they'll have enough, and mm. you know, it, it, it'd be another one for the collection, a bit like Norwich won't live in the memory much, but you know, another one ticked off. But it just it just never happened, did it? Even you know, even at one nil, at two nil. And you know, it was a bit of an improvement, I think, when Lalana came on. Of course, he went he went close hitting the post, but yeah, that was the most alarming thing for me—the fact that it just nobody got hold of that game. You, you wouldn't throw the complacency tag at uh, the players, uh, would you? Was it was that asked of Jurgen Klopp? You saw him after the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was interesting listening to Klopp afterwards because even he he kind of insinuated that he thought the pressure from the, the talk outside the club about the Invincibles tag. May have put, he said may have put extra pressure on his players because he said I hope now that the, the talk of the records is over that we can get back to pl- playing free flowing football, but I'm I'm not sure I buy that to be honest because for a start, you know all the players I've spoken to in recent weeks have have been adamant that it, the unbeaten record it, it isn't something that they've even talked about internally, and uh, you know, I I just don't think that you walk out at Watford away in the back of your head thinking oh my God we're you know what. 10 11 games mm. away from going an entire season unbeaten. I don't I don't think that's I don't mm. think that's a fact. So I think complacency may may I don't know I think you know when when you you know it's a fine line isn't it between you go out with that confidence that we're so used to winning we'll, we'll do it again mm. or does it or does it just cross that line into it will just happen for us today you know we're better than Watford and you know that was it was a throwback, really, as well, seeing Liverpool get bullied like that because you know Watford did get in their faces and you know the Deeney one, and I think there was it was a, quite a horrible challenge. I think Hughes on 
on Wijnaldum as well, where, you know, where they went across the line a couple of times. But, you know, by and large, Watford did a very good job in roughing Liverpool up and, and knocking them out of their stride. Mm. And Well, it played into their hands, didn't it? Troy Deeney wants a fight, doesn't he? That, that's <laughs> how he wants to approach the game. Yeah. Um, perfect for him. Saar's just an incredible player, isn't he? You, you can see him getting better and better. Yeah. They found a lot of their players at the top end of their game. Afterwards, Deeney said, it, you know, he said, you know, take nothing away. We know that wasn't Liverpool at their best. Yeah. But actually, Watford should be given a lot of credit for what they did. Well, there's always it's trying to get that balance, isn't it? To what extent did, did Watford put Liverpool out the stride? To what extent did Liverpool not perform to the levels? I mean, Watford can only think about themselves and know, they know that they did everything that their manager would have asked of them before the game. I mean, the the the, uh, the line between the defence and the midfields was very narrow. You know, they obviously clearly identified that Firmino really is the one that they need to stop in that team. He had no space to work in. You know, he's hustled out of play. Um, and that was the basis of the from the you know the start of the performance. I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes, I thought it was you know sort of they were quite like sort of submissive. Watford really just almost sort of inviting Liverpool on. It's maybe they were trying to. It seemed to me anyway that they were trying to frustrate Liverpool and 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 show that there was going to be a very little way through, and there wasn't. You know, the Liverpool didn't create anything at all. Um, you know, the the most alarming elements of it. I mean, I, I hate getting bogged down in stats because they they do sort of they shouldn't be the conclusion of everything, but they they can contribute towards the development of an argument. I I feel, but the the, the running stats in the Liverpool team was was pretty low. I think on Saturday, which suggests to me that is 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 there some sort of fatigue issue there? You know, I think. The interesting thing and the interesting debate around like sort of um, having the break and, and this, that and the other about when it actually benefits the team, you know, where I think it's later on in the season, you know, that the players will feel the benefits of that break, you know, when maybe other players haven't had as a longer break that it, 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 you sort of, it's an accumulative thing, isn't it? Like for the first few weeks, it's always a bit of a struggle after a break. Every single season, it's been the same under Klopp. And then later on in the season, they've come good, haven't they? You know, they've been stronger and fitter and a bit fresher at times when other t- other teams aren't quite as fresh. So you would hope that that's going to come at some point because um, they have been very flat, I, I think, since since uh, since they went away. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting whether the players... I don't think players go onto the pitch thinking, oh, we've got... Um, this this record that we've got to protect, but I, I do suspect I wonder. You know, when, this is just my very layman's way of looking at. It. I remember when, for example, when I played junior football when I was a kid, and the team that I was playing for had gone the whole season unbeaten. And I remember in the throes of games when things were going against it, it became more of a pressure in the game. You know, because you were thinking, God, if we lose this, we're not just losing the game, we're losing a giant record. And you know, players may have not been speaking about it between themselves. You know, at Melwoods, but I'd imagine in the course of a game, they, they, they probably this might just this thought process might individually impact the way they they act and make decisions on the pitch. It's very difficult to to sort of pin that down, I guess. But yeah, I just felt. I mean, we're going to talk about Dejan Lovren and you know Virgil Van Dijk, who I just thought was a bit. Used, I mean, it's the glory well, of well, let's talk. It's about- the glory of Van Dijk, isn't it? He, he's so makes the game look so easy but when sometimes he's a bit too casual and he might make one mistake it's because he's being too casual you know is Dejan Lovren an easy target let's get on to that um by the way I never realized you were an invincible yourself yeah in yeah, the course yeah, of yeah, your yeah, junior yeah, football yeah. Ni- days that's... 19 96 97 season I was 13 years old that should be we, a, we drew a... one game right one game the first the first game <laughs> of the season against the worst team in the league we drew my goodness yeah. 
And I scored the equaliser with two minutes to go. That should be on your Twitter bio. Let's go to Dejan Lovren. Is he just a convenient target? For Liverpool fans, when things go wrong, yeah, oh, there's, yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, firstly, so you, first of all, would you have chosen him? No, in your, in your no, start, no, you I was, John Massive every day of the week. Yeah, 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 I was because if you if you if you if you if you drawing up a pecking order of Liverpool's centre halves, then for me, Dayan Lovren is the fourth choice centre half. Now I know Matip, you know, has, has been short of football. Of course, he's had his injury problems this season, but you know, the only way that Matip is is gonna is gonna get back to the level he was at, which Let's not forget, you know, he was absolutely sensational in the second half of last season. Is is to play him? So, mm. yeah, I was surprised that Lovren, you know, Lovren himself hadn't started. I don't think he'd started in the Premier League since Bournemouth early December, when he actually, I think he then went off injured, and then that was when Gomez came into the team and and blossomed. So, um, and he got two minutes against West Ham last week. Yeah. So, so, so you think that he is yeah, the next person so in line? He, wouldn't you? you know, he was he was rusty, and I just, do you know, what? I just felt as if Lovren got he got. He fell into Deeney's trap, didn't he? And I thought, I thought what Deeney said after the game was quite disrespectful, actually, to another professional in, in terms of you know talking about how um, you know he targeted Lovren and you know he made you know Lovren made the the mistake of of deciding to try and fight me and he should know better than that and he's the weaker of the two centre halves and all that. But it's just you know that didn't I didn't think that was particularly needed to to rub salt into into the wounds, but. Do you know what, James? I brought that up with another Liverpool fan this morning who said um, they thought it was fine because Lovren wasn't good enough. And I said, well, in the aftermath, is there any need, really, no. for one professional no, to say that about yeah, another it's professional? Just, it's disrespectful. And let's not forget, I know Love, Dane Lovren has always divided opinion, but you know this is a fella that's played in the Champions League final and played in a World Cup final. So this idea that he's some bug that has been cheating a living mm. for years at one of the world's elite clubs is, is, is nonsense. You know, he... He is yes, he can be erratic, and yes, he can make some alarming mistakes. But he also does a lot of a lot of good things. And um, yeah, of, of course, I wouldn't I wouldn't try and defend his performance on Saturday because I thought, you know, he, he made some pr- pretty awful mistakes. And even for the first goal, you know, he falls into the trap of you know he doesn't even get off the ground trying to challenge for that ball with Dini because he's more worried about wrestling him. Um, and of course, I don't think he covered himself in glory in the build up to the the third either. But you know, to to focus solely on Lovren and and to and to is to spectacularly miss the point on Saturday because you know, as Simon said, you know that was as poor as Virgil Van Dijk has played for Liverpool. Um, you know, I thought Robertson was okay. Trent, you know, didn't have his best afternoon. You look at the midfield. Fabinho's a worry for me. You know, has been nowhere near the level mm. he, he was at. You know, since he's come back from what was it two months out with ankle ligament damage. Um, you know, Wijnaldum. You know, fair play to him. He faced up and you know talked about you know where they how they'd let themselves down after the game but you know he was nowhere near and then the front three you know didn't have a you know a single key pass or, or a shot on goal between the three of them so yeah Lovren Lovren performed poorly but you know a I don't think he should have not got, on his own yeah not on his own Unfair I mean you, you got the wrath of social media when you actually um, <laughs> implied that maybe Virgil van Dijk should hold his hands up for a couple of these yeah problems. I mean I, I said that you know the obviously the, for the first goal uh, Virgil was was obviously a bit too casual, let the cross come in far too easily, and then you know from there it's a goal. Second goal he was flat footed, um, even though you could see that pass was on straight away. Now, obviously naturally people are going to point out that that Lovren uh, had a role in the build up to the first goal, and and some people say claiming that he should have 
been covering Van Dijk, but people say he should be covering or going deeper than Van Dijk. They haven't been watching Liverpool for the last three seasons because they don't play, you know, they don't have a sweeper responsibility. It's all about the pace of the person behind him. So they've got themselves out of pickles such as that over the last well, last couple of months because, you know, on quite a lot of occasions, either Gomez has been able to cover Van Dijk because of his pace or, or vice versa. Um, the concern with Lovren, you know, the, the, the criticism of him is fair in, in some cases, but I do think it goes too far very quickly, too often. I think sometimes he probably doesn't help himself with his <laughs> his, his response to it almost. You know, I remember last, it was the last summer or the summer before when, Oh, it was the summer before when when he uh, they, they obviously got to the World Cup final. He made the point that he was one of the best defenders in the world, and Jurgen Klopp said, "Well, it might be true, but I prefer it if he didn't say it." You know, but I think I think I, I think Jurgen really likes Lovren. You know, he's he's a big personality in the dressing room. He's yeah. very well liked among amongst the players. He's got a it can be quite prickly at times, but I think he is well liked, and I think that 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 helps. And he's got a good relationship with the manager. But my, my concern with him. It might, it might just be because he hasn't played that that, that much this season. Um, let's not forget he plays against Manchester City in in the big game in Anfield. Big deciding game. He's absolutely outstanding that game. I thought probably yeah. Liverpool's man of the match in that game. I would say, you know, his reading of the games. I, I was sort of I was in the uh, Centenary stand in that game. I'm uh, next to him in obviously the first half, and his reason he was very very good against Aguero that day. And it just gets forgotten and doesn't get much much credit really because of the nature of that victory. But I just think he struggles sometimes when he hasn't been playing to go back in the team and have the impact you know that you would expect of a Liverpool starter at this point. Now you know he needs a few games to get up to speed with what's going on around him. He's always been like that, I think, and that's been a bit of a prob- ongoing problem for him because he has been quite injury prone for Liverpool, hasn't he? He's mi- he's always missed chunks of a season. In each season, I think he's been at Liverpool. And my concern was, you know, there was sometimes that the Watford were playing quite a lot of sort of passes that Liverpool would play just over the top. And he was struggling to get back. Now, he's never been the quickest player, but it felt like, you know, you could see it was like he was drowning a little bit with his legs. Now, whether that's just because he's not up to speed or whether, you know, he's lost something a little bit, I don't know. But it should be something that Klopp's thinking about. Ultimately, I agree with James. I wouldn't have played him in that game, particularly against... Wofford's a team who, if they're going to get something against you, they're going to try and have a, you know, rough you up a little bit, particularly at Vicarage Road. I was surprised to see him in the start on 11. And if anyone's to blame for that, it's the manager, really. Does Klopp ignore what Troy Deeney said at the very end? Because the player himself won't have it won't have gone over his head. Dan Lovren will have, will have yeah, seen he'll the have seen that, yeah. The manager yeah. himself does he think? Well, that actually might have that might be quite detrimental to my player now. And other teams might just feed off that a little bit more, and it yeah. might create like a vicious circle. You know, Klopp, Klopp obviously makes <laughs> a great effort to say that he doesn't hear what people say in the media, and you know he, he knows everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. I do know, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that that would definitely annoy Klopp. He'll yeah. he'll, he'll be aware of that. So just put him yeah. straight back out for the next he, game. No, no, no. I think I think he'll he'll be he'll be that will have really annoyed him what Deeney said. But I don't I don't whether whether he well, will sticks, it affect his decision. No, it won't. Definitely won't no. affect his decision to to play him or not. I mean, it reminded me actually of I think it was one of the Bournemouth defenders. Then he came out after Liverpool lost at Bournemouth when Carrius had an absolute nightmare mm. down there, and and he said then about oh yeah you know we we knew that Carrius was the weak link and so we and we made a point of targeting him and all the rest of it which. 
And I remember Klopp kind of reacting very angrily to to that mm. at the time. So I'm sure mm. I'm sure he would have taken it the same way. I think you know you, you just wonder whether he, he obviously obviously I think in his head thought Chelsea away FA Cup is one for Joel Matip. That you know I think I think that would have been part of his thinking going into the weekend. Why why I'm in in that order I'm not quite sure, but maybe he just thought that you know Matip wasn't going to be able to play two games in the space of three yeah, days. So that's true. Yeah. So he thought. You know, and then Joe Gomez, you know, he was a, you know, in the same way as maybe it's taken Henderson going out of the team for some people to realise just how influential he is. Probably in a similar way with Gomez as well, because you know, there's no way that Liverpool concede those kind of goals if Joe Gomez is there at the weekend. Yeah. You know, he was thankfully only a really minor problem. Um, you know, I think with one eye on at that Atletico Madrid game coming up, you know, quite right to not take any risks, but. Um, yeah, it was it, it was just Lovren was a problem in to the extent that I think when 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 he has days like that, it just spreads that kind of panic and uncertainty, doesn't it? That that then almost like spreads like like wildfire through the team. I don't like that idea though, you know, because you've got top quality players either side of him. You know, Van Dijk. Let's not forget Troy Deeney came out and complimented Van Dijk as being the greatest player he's ever played against. Remember him saying. You know, even his aftershave smells nice. You know, and everybody's like, oh, Troy Deeney's like one of the nice, you know, yeah, he's obviously yeah, yeah. a decent fella. So we can't have it both ways, can we? I mean, he, he's being honest about his ability, what he thinks about Van Dyke. And people were then saying to me, oh, well, look, Deeney said this about Lovren. So clearly Lovren is, you know, the big problem. I was like, well, let's be honest about it. If, if you're going to try and play on any defender at Liverpool, it's not going to be Van Dyke, is it? It's going to be the other, other fella. Now, over the course of the last 12, 18 months, Lovren... Matip, um, Gomez have all been sort of dismissed at various points. Somebody not good enough. I'm going to have to get somebody else in, or that that sort of discussion. But each one of them have always managed to come back. And as James says, the the problem is when when Lovren has a bad game. Let's be honest, he stinks the place out. He properly stinks the place out. But what thing? One thing I do admire about him, he does have incredible resilience. He does tend to. He just tends to come back and 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 he'll he'll play he'll probably play eighty five percent of the season pretty well and it's that sort of remaining fifteen percent which takes up people's thoughts and is that good enough of a Liverpool standing player I don't know I think it's in those games where he may he may have a bit of an off game that you're looking for people around him to to, to play better and I just think everything on the same day went badly you know and Van Dijk is in my view is is the greatest defender I've ever seen play for Liverpool up there with the greatest players up there with the greatest defenders I've ever seen in the Premier League but he didn't play well on Saturday and just because one player makes a mistake it doesn't give every the rest of the team a pass oh well he's made a mistake so that make that means that Van Dijk can't be alert to the danger like I I was watching the first the first goal so I watched it several times I was like why is he not just stuck his leg out it was like go on just it just it was just an unusual Decision-making process from him. The, the one, the one, last thing I'll say on it, I do think that Klopp is aware of the possibility of this happening because in the first few minutes of the game, he made, and the first few minutes of each half, actually he made unusual decisions in that Van Dijk started the game as the right-sided centre-half and Lovren as the left, which Lovren traditionally, before Van Dijk came, liked to play as the left-sided centre-half. When Van Dijk came, he put Van Dijk out there and that was that was, you know, as good as every every single game Van Dijk was out there. Now, at the start of the game, he switched them for the first five or ten minutes. So I think he was clearly trying to confuse or make Deeney or whoever was thinking about going on to each defender think differently about how they were, how they were going to approach the game. 
and that would, in theory, then create problems for a structural problem for Watford, and they would have to make tailor that you know the decisions structurally accordingly. And then he switched it back after about twenty minutes. So clearly, he was. I, I think clearly they, they, they were aware that they, they were going to possibly have a little go at Lovren. Unfortunately, on the day, obviously didn't didn't pass the test and, and did struggle against Deeney, but. Yeah, I just think... He's, he's obviously had some, I don't know, scapegoat or not, I don't know, but he's obviously had some really bad treatment on social media, Dejan Lovren, and he seems to have been singled out. Yeah. And I was trying to think back to a player who's perhaps had that level of I, weight put on his shoulder. I know Liverpool have had a great season, so there hasn't yeah, been that yeah. many players, has there? I think it goes back to the the, the, the season when he was signed. When you think about it, his entry point to Liverpool, he's brought is it in. Just him on his own, though. That's what well, I'm saying. Uh, is there, are there other players yeah, that you've like, got there equally? Luke, as Lucas Lever, I'd say he, he went through something similar. Where I just I, for whatever reason, certain players just when people seem to divide opinion to that extent that when mm. when well, they're Henderson out did there, yeah, Henderson, quite a few yeah, years. Yeah, I think Henderson still Lucas, does. Lovren, you know that that those kind of players that. For whatever reason, a degree of people will overlook, you know, as Simon said, the eighty, eighty-five percent of the of the really good things they do, and focus on the, well, the ten it, or the fifteen. Here's my theory about that. I, I hope it, it, might, it might require a little bit of patience. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> but, 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 the clock here. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Yeah, but 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 the, the the players that you mentioned, there are reasons why this happens. Lovren comes in 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 the summer of 2014. I supposedly the solution to all Liverpool's defensive yeah. problems. He was, he they, was built by Rodgers yeah. one year as Jamie Carragher's replacement. Exactly. This is the leader that we've lacked. We've, we've missed. So Wait he's till you see this fella. Being given a massive billing, you know, mm. which obviously goes in. That season was an absolute, you know, car, car crash. crash. It was a bad season. You know, he has a lot of problems settling in. So that's why he has that problem. You look at Lucas Leiva, he was the one who was brought in as, <laughs> brought on as a substitute for the great Steven Gerrard. Straight away, you know, people are, well, he's got to be a good player, you know, so they're judging him very highly before he's even ready. You know, Jordan Henderson, similar situation. The first big summer signer, the FSG era, first of all, young player. You know, they've gone on about how they're going to sign all these great young players and make them great. His development wasn't quick enough for some, I'm, I'm fair enough. And then he becomes a Liverpool captain, succeeding the great Steven Gerrard. So it's all about the entry points, I think. You know, Lovren suffers from that still. I think people, people's heads, they can't get over that, like sort of that, that 20, 2014, 15 season almost. He's had to work hard. I don't think he ever will, to be honest. It's, it's probably too late now. I think the time has come and gone. And, you know, Liverpool have got better players than him, as James says. But... Doesn't make him the worst defender ever. It doesn't mean that it, you know that he deserves all of the criticism for Liverpool's performance the other day. Because I just think you know everybody performed badly, and it didn't. You could argue maybe it did spread from a couple of mistakes. That but I, 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 I don't see that. I just think Liverpool players are better than that. You know, the bigger personalities. He should be able to deal with somebody else. One one cog in the unit not playing particularly well. Jevchenko. Scored the winner two years ago. He's up against today. Will he hand Liverpool the European Cup? Yes! yes! European champions! Jersey Dudek with a penalty save. Right, the red agenda on the Athletic. And uh, thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers 
from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash agenda. Pay the postage, it's £4.95. If that wasn't enough as a listener to the Red Agenda, you get two extra free beers. Uh, beer 52 are beer pioneers travelling the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. Uh, they're now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Uh, themes from Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, many more are already featured. And as an independent UK beer company, uh, Beer 52 also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty is you can leave it any time. The power's in your hands. You also get a copy of the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, and a little beery snack is thrown in as well. Simon was questioning what that might mean. I've no idea, but I'm sure they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, head to www.beer52.com forward slash agenda. Get your case free, and don't forget, listeners, get two extra free beers. What what snack do you like with your beer, Simon? I like I like a packet of nuts. Right, well, yeah. there you go. That's your yeah, beery yeah, snack. Yeah, beer when snack. you were questioning me before. Very happy with that, yeah. <laughs> this is the Red Agenda on The Athletic. Uh, Simon Hughes, James Pierce, myself, um, Steve Hothersall. We'll get to the Red Agenda inbox very shortly. Loads of great stuff on that, and we'll talk about Neil Critchley. Uh, leaving Liverpool's under-23s and heading to Blackpool. I'll just pick a few out from the uh, the Red Agenda inbox, which tie into the Watford conversation, and they're all along a similar line. So Krishnan says, uh, how should Liverpool analyse the data and film from the Watford and Atletico games to combat six-man-deep lying defences? Uh, you've also got, because there's quite a few on a similar sort of theme, here we go. Um, Siam says, how does uh, Jürgen counter teams who park the bus and hit on the counter with two strikers? It's been Jürgen's kryptonite in the last five years. Uh, quite a lot of them here talking about, we haven't figured out how to attack the low block. This is from Carl. Um, should they try midfield dribble penetration? Wow. I don't know what it means, but James, come on, give us a detailed analysis of it. <laughs> um, for a start, I, I don't, I wouldn't go along with the idea that Liverpool have big problems with with teams who defend deep in numbers and try and starve space for the for the front three. I think, yeah, a couple of teams have been able to pull it off against them this season, but there's also been a lot of teams who have tried to do it, and and Liverpool have found a way. That's that's been the great strength of this Liverpool team: the fact that they. They, when they're at their best, they're very difficult to stop because they can hurt you from so many different areas where it's not just the front three. You know, they've got the two two best fullbacks in European football. You know, the, the the damage they can do from from wide areas. We saw that with Trent against West Ham recently. Um, you know, the, yeah, the so mid- it's not it's not a chink in their arm. No, no. I don't, every no. team every team's got no. like weak well not weak spots but every team, you know. Is there to be beaten? Every yeah. team, there's always there's always going to Liverpool be a challenge have, for every team. Liverpool have beaten all, all types of you know. Yeah. There's been teams who have tried to take go toe to toe with Liverpool, and they've and you know and, they, and they've, they've they've failed miserably. There's teams who have just tried to park the bus, and Liverpool have, have found found mm. a way. So I don't I don't go along with the idea. I think the the big issue on 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 the weekend and in the last couple of weeks has just been it's just been too pedestrian and mm. just too predictable and. Just hasn't had that spark for whatever reason, you know. It's only it's been there in tiny little bursts, maybe against West Ham, but in general, you know that's that that's what's been lacking. You know, the you know the, the talk about the midfield penetration. Well, yeah, that that's been missing. You know, some someone bursting through lines and and trying to you know create create something um, out of nothing. You know, trying to commit players. Um, you know, the, at times the movement of the front three and. 
so and you know and and also the you know the the quality from wide areas so there's lots of mm. yeah I, I just think that saturday was one of those times where you just every single department failed to fire didn't it um and and i'm hoping it'll be you know the kick up the backside that they need because i you know i never really went along with the idea that the unbeaten record thing you know the invincibles you know i know we talked about it on the pod to me a few weeks back and to to me that was you know, like you don't see, like you know, I know Arsenal fans were like having party time. They got nothing else to celebrate at the moment, have they? So they were celebrating the fact that you know Liverpool won't be emulating you know Wenger's Wenger's team. But they you know they didn't. To me, that you know you don't. What what matters most is silverware, not not records. And you know the the fact of the matter is this is a massive week coming up for Liverpool. You know with the FA Cup tie at Chelsea and then you know an even bigger game against Atletico the following week. And you know, if 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 this defeat focuses a few minds and, and gets Liverpool back into it, you know, it, it might we might even look back on that Watford game as as doing them a bit of a favour, to be honest, because the, it's much more important that Liverpool finish this season with another piece of silverware, preferably two, to go with the Premier League title, than than the Premier League title and the Invincibles tag. Right, and obviously last week we spent a full 15 minutes talking about where the, the title campaign could end. <laughs> that is entirely irrelevant now if you actually go back and yeah. listen. Uh, to, everything's just pushed on a certain game, isn't it? Yeah, um, so let me work it out again. Yeah, so obviously Man City away is the game now, but City, uh, I think, lose to, to Man United or, or drop points in both of the games between now and Everton. It'll go back to Crystal Palace, but then if Liverpool beats... Um, be Chelsea and get through in the FA Cup that Crystal Palace game will get moved so it will remain in theory uh, if Liverpool win tomorrow night it'll basically be down to City I think away am I right in saying that is that right if Liverpool beat if Liverpool beat Chelsea it'll just be Man City away that'll be the game will it um, right? Liverpool still need 12 should have done points should research really shouldn't I Liverpool <laughs> still need 12 points yeah um, but obviously yeah if, if Liverpool get past Chelsea then is it Palace will be rearranged, won't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that would put, would that then put it back further if oh, City put, keep but winning. Even that all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who would that be? The Aston Villa, is that right? Um, <laughs> it's a good job we planned. Really this show, professional. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Bournemouth, Everton, Palace, Man City. Yeah, that would put it back to Villa. Villa, right? Yeah. Okay. Right, so that could be the new destination point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the red agenda. Let's have a look at what's happening at the academy. There's never been more focus on, on what's happening at the academy because of the talent that's come through. So the likes of Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, Nico Williams, so many more. And at the moment, the under-23s have been under the guidance of Neil Critchley, but he has announced, or the club have announced, that he is leaving to take up the position of head coach at Blackpool. Terrific guy. He's had six and a half years of outstanding service at the academy and, of course, um, working with some very, very talented people there as well, like Alex Inglethorpe, but when Stephen Gerrard was there, Michael Beale. Um, so he has had quite a key position working with the under-23s, but he is leaving. First of all, um, thoughts on him making that next step? Not not entirely not expected, given maybe the, the, the profile he's been given this season? Well, I mean, it clearly got a taste for it, hasn't he? I mean, he seemed to me to be the sort of guy who enjoyed working with young players, you know, so... Um, I've got to be honest, I'm quite surprised that he's decided to go. You know, Blackpool have... Um, but not surprised that clubs will be interested in him. Well, I mean, it's difficult to gauge. Isn't it? I mean, I think Blackpool have approached about four or five different managers and been turned down by a lot of them. So he's not the first choice. I mean, it's not like they've sacked the manager and like he's the one that we want, if we're being totally honest about it. Um, but clearly, you know, he's got a lot of experience. Um, obviously, Liverpool got him from Crew, where he'd done a great job 
And he's done a great job at Liverpool as well, because that's a a, diff, a a strange job to have under twenty three manager now. You know, it's, there's the the expectations on that manager uh, have, have changed a lot over the last sort of fifteen twenty years. With I guess the the decreasing level of importance of tw- under twenty three matches, but that doesn't mean that that role is less important because it's you're dealing with players who in a lot of cases are going to be very frustrated, desperate to kick on. You know, I can't imagine it's being easy for Neil Critchley managing Curtis Jones, who's desperate to... to mind you, I suppose Curtis Jones is training full-time with the first team, isn't he? And, um, you know, he's, he's he's clearly... You know, he's, I thought he conducted himself really well in the two games that he took charge of Liverpool. You know, good with the media, um, quite thoughtful, but, but quite forward as well. You know, if there was questions that he didn't like, he'd he'd sort of have a, have a pop back. So mm. clearly Liverpool at the moment are a club that the, the other clubs and um, institutions, governing bodies are looking to, 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 to try and recruit from because things are going well. You know, it's the, the Klopp stardust, I guess, isn't it? You know, if you can say, well, I've worked with Jürgen Klopp and it's on your CV and he's obviously one of the two best managers in world football at the moment. That's going to put you ahead of, of other people at times. So... So it he, means something, yeah. and obviously previous under twenty three managers, Stephen Gerrard, he was under eighteen, wasn't he? Michael Beale. Oh yeah, he was eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Beale. Yeah, when Beale. obviously got yeah. snapped up, went and managed in Brazil, didn't he? And now he's with Gerrard. At, Mike Marsh. At, at was, was Mike, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Steve Marsh. Steve Cooper. Yeah, even even well, Pep Linders wasn't under twenty three's manager, but of course he was in the youth setup there. You know, impressed to the point where he was promoted to the the seniors at, mm. at Melwood. So. Um, yeah, Critchley will be massively missed at Liverpool. You know, he's such a popular figure amongst the players and the staff. And you, know, you only have to speak to someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold about you know the importance of of him and his development. And you know, he would still go back to the academy at times and speak to Neil Critchley. And um, so, yeah, I think as Simon said, it's just a sign that you know when when things are going so well, and we've seen. You know, the when, when the youngsters have stepped up this season, it's been the perfect advert, hasn't it, for the youth structure at Liverpool? And wow, they, they must be doing something right. Look at look at how confident and and how technically gifted these young players are. Who's responsible for that? Well, Neil Critchley has to take you know a big mm. part of the credit. So I'm not surprised that clubs have been looking at him. And I suppose also probably what counted in his favour when you know when football league clubs are looking for managers is is that other part of it is the how will he handle the media the other the other part of the job that you don't usually have to deal with as a youth coach but as Simon said he was so accomplished and, and spoke so well in difficult circumstances this season you know kind of thrown into that game at Villa Park when you know all the seniors are on you know over in Qatar for the club world cup I thought he conducted himself brilliantly then and the same again you know, for the replay against Shrewsbury. Well, that the Arsenal game as well. Yeah, you know, there's been there's been a variety of them, hasn't there? Mm. Where his name has been in headlights. Yeah, mm. yeah. This is and of course being partly credited with the rise of those big names like mm. Curtis Jones, like Harvey Elliott, because well, they're, they're still playing regular under twenty three football. The the one thing you know that maybe doesn't get written about too much is you know the structure at Liverpool now is is better than it it has been you know, for a long, long time. You know, it's not just obviously the first team performances and results that, that are that are going well. It, it's it's away from that and deeper than that. And, you know, there's, for a long time, the structure at Liverpool was just in what seemed like a permanent state of transition, you know, from the point where Steve Highway leaves in 20, uh, 2008, I think, 2007-8. Um, you know, they've gone through various um, people in charge of the academy, you know, different styles, different expectations from from 
you know, whether the, I think it was Pete Hamburg that came in, Frank McParlands, there's all sorts of different people, Pepsigora. So a, a confused identity, I guess, whereas, you know, Alex Inglethorpe has, has, uh, has been there since 20, I think 11, 12, maybe, 12. And um, now, you know, I think it helps when you've got a great manager at the top who understands what he wants from a youth academy and takes the role, that role, and, and, and wants, to, wants to promote young players and wants to give them a chance. That obviously is massive, but now, you know, Neil Critchley will know what a good sort of structure of football club looks like. Of course, the big challenge for him is at Blackpool, it's a really competitive league. He's, he's just going to be judged first and foremost on, on the results. And if he gets through the first, you know, you never, you never ever, you know, Simon Grayson was doing well at the start of the season, really. And then they obviously went on a terrible run and got sacked. That That's unfortunately the reality of the, the job that he's taken on. So, you know, you, you're never more than like seven games away from the sack in that league. So that's going to be a big change. That, yeah, that's going to be a big... development yeah, results. Yeah. That's going to be a big change for him. I know the academy, I think the Blackpool's a, a pretty good one as well. Maybe that's what they're thinking, that we need somebody who, who, who can like sort of... We can develop our own talents, you know, who, who, and sell players on because they haven't really done that, Blackpool. They've been bouncing around all the leagues. It's a club that hasn't had any stability for a long time. Now they've got an owner who 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 I think is going to bring some financial stability. They need somebody who's going to be in charge, um, you know, a bit <laughs> for longer than a season, put it that way, which, you know, I think Gary Bowie lasted a couple of seasons and obviously did very well, but um, he left when uh, the, the, there was obviously financial problems and was told he was not going to get so much, not get as much money as he expected under the previous owners. So it's a great opportunity for him, but I think it's going to be a massive challenge in that mm. league because it's really competitive. Wish him really well. He's a lovely guy, Neil Critchley. Um, obviously a lot of folks. We never mentioned perhaps the greatest academy uh, graduate, which is which is Pep Linders. Working along, I mentioned him. Did you? Sorry, yeah, 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 oh, okay. yeah. You're, you're dismissing Just James. Sorry, I never heard. James is thoughtful. Obviously, Anyone working alongside yeah, you. Yeah. Did you mention, did you yeah, mention yeah. Villa Roy? Yeah, yeah Villa Roy. Anyway. Yeah. So, so, are we going to uh, mention? Any, are we going to mention who, who who could replace him? Are we going to talk? That's about what that I'm going on to. Oh, well, actually, uh, Moley on the Red Agenda inbox says, "Lads, who's in line?" Uh, for the role of under twenty three boss, so I'll throw in Robbie yeah, Fowler. Go on, then. So I, <laughs> I, what, I don't think Robbie's yeah. perfect. Down under, probably wants to be at home. No, he definitely wants to be at mm. home. Um, and we've seen with all the other bosses, they have gone on to first team positions, mm. and that's what Robbie's always wanted. Before he went away, he said it's imp- it's incredible how he couldn't get a job. He could barely get a job interview, even at League One level mm. in this country. So he's gone down under to earn the right to be involved in that conversation. And he's had a fairly good season. And I would throw Robbie in there and say, he'd probably worked brilliantly in that academy setup. Hard worker, understands what the club's about, and obviously would want to use it as a platform longer term. Yeah. Would you go with Robbie? I would I would definitely go along yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think it's you you're right. It's it's sad in a way that he's had to bide his time as long as he has done because he's been absolutely desperate, you know, to to cut his teeth in management. Mm. He's had to go with the other side of the world to to do that as as has improved the Brisbane team that he inherited. Um, you know, personally, I think he should almost. You know, it, it would. I suppose it would be a step down to come back to be 23's manager, because mm. um, it, it is a difficult. It's a difficult job. It's a strange job as well. Because I know, having dealt with Neil Critchley quite a lot, you know, you, you quite often wouldn't even find out to the day of a game or late the night before who you even were having for it. Mm. You know, it's 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 not like 
a, n- a normal managerial job, is it? Because you know, and you know, as Simon said, with like Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott at Melwood, you know, it's it's a real mishmash as well. Of you know, three or four, you know, how many are going to drop down from Melwood to join this group, and so they might not have trained together, and so it's you know, it's you're right in terms of it gives you great prestige and the chance to develop some really talented kids, but. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's a job that will be for everyone. Yeah, you know, it's. I, it's. I. I wonder with Fowler because it, it, it is his career. I. I think he suffered probably more than anybody else from that sort of mid nineties Spice Boys image. I think. Yeah. You know, they, they sort of. Yeah. I think. Unfairly. Owners sort tight. of think he's. You know, he's. He's forever young almost, isn't yeah. he, Robbie Fowler? You still judge him as a nineteen-year-old because yeah. that was when he was at his best, I, I suppose. But I suppose from his point of view, he'd have to think about. He he ultimately wants to become a football league manager, doesn't he? So what's the? But ultimately, Liverpool aren't going to want to appoint somebody who's going to be there for a season and then disappear again. He don't want to be in this. So he's got to be realistic about how long he's going to be there for. Equally, I remember when Steven Gerrard took the under 18s he enjoyed the job, but he just said, you know, that the not playing for results sort of killed him a little bit. Like that sort of. Yeah, you know, it was more different. performance and development over results. And he was like, oh, I'm addicted to that, like, sort of Saturday, you know, the highs and lows of it. And, I mean, we can see that at the moment with Rangers. He seems he seems a bit emotional about what's going on there. But I think he, he'll still, you know, he, he thrives off that and the desperation to prove himself almost. Whereas I wonder if Robbie, having gone to Australia, I understand this, so the, 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 the appetite for football isn't isn't what it is here, is it? It's still It's big, but it's not like what it is here, I guess. Is that the best route for him to get into football league management in in this country? I'm I'm not sure whether it is. He's have to go. He's have to win the league. I think in in Australia almost, or or, or do something pretty spectacular with Brisbane Roar to get that opportunity to come back to get people to notice. Because there's a stigma, isn't there, in British football? I think when I've I've spoken to coaches who've worked abroad, even relatively some high profile ones who've gone and worked abroad and find it difficult to get back in it at home for some reason they just think you know it's not the same as the cut and thrust of of um of the football league but ultimately if Neil Critchley's been given a chance well there's and Robbie Fowler came in as well there's no reason why he shouldn't be given that opportunity that he wants. Yeah. Any of the names that, you, that you'd mention? Anything obvious? Well, uh, well Barry Lutus I think you'd yeah. probably chuck his name into the into the into the pot in terms of how well he's done with the 18s you know whether you know I think that would be one option they could look to go down is to promote from within and then you know promote from within up to the 18s that's what they did with you know Lutus obviously I think had worked with the 16s before coming up to the 18s um I I get the impression that they're not in any great rush mm. I think um you know, for a start Alex Inglethorpe has been a lot more hands-on this season in terms of the training sessions there um so I think you know certainly in the interim period I think you'll probably see him probably a more prominent role on under-23s kind of match days and all the rest of it. And mm-hmm. also Tim Jenkins, um, you know, I think he's staying put. He was part of the 23s coaching setup, So I think, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll probably be at the helm for a while. I think they've got a week or so. I think next next midweek they've got Wolf, Wolfsburg, um, which is the next under-23s fixture. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it's one that maybe, you know, they... they uh, they they kind of take their time over it, and we might see not maybe not a permanent appointment to the summer. Rob Jones, maybe, of course. He's been on the bench yeah. with Neil Critchley, you know, another ex-crew player, quite a calm, calming mm-hmm. personality, which I think players probably need. You know, he's obviously played a lot of games for Liverpool. Probably, arguably, could have been a great, great Liverpool right back. 
but unfortunately, obviously, suffer from injuries. But I think um, he's there. His every name, game. his name, his Steve name. Steve McManaman's there yeah. every game alongside yeah. Rob Jones. Yeah. It's a great former player sort of it's circle a, that goes yeah. around. The I suppose it depends well. on Stephen Manaman whether what what he sees himself doing. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a big difference in there between being a mentor that mm. takes a few hours a week and being yeah. the 23s coach, oh. which takes over your life. Lisa puts oh. it back into the box. Header or goal? Oh. oh, he's got it! And the captain has delivered a blow to AC Milan. They may be three goals down, Liverpool, but Steven Gerrard has urged the thousands of Reds fans inside here to get to their feet. A headed goal from the captain. Right, let's crack through some of these questions on the Red Agenda uh, inbox. All sorts in today. Um, Crazy Razor says, uh, nice first touch and finish from Rian Brewster at the weekend. That's four goals in ten games from him. Any word from Swansea on how impressed they are with him? Well, they've got to be with those stats. Well, I mean, I've, I've obviously been reading the reports um, of him and seeing some of the goals. And I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I think he's got a great chance at Liverpool, Brewster. You know, all the, the Liverpool have moved heaven and earth, really, to sort of reassure him of his value. Um, you know, I think he play, obviously plays against Arsenal, didn't he, in the Cup, and didn't have a great night. But, you know, I think... Um, He'll he'll play games for Liverpool. I'll be surprised. I'll just be majorly surprised if he doesn't. You know, I just think, you know, he'll get a lot from that Championship move, um, which is a really competitive league. He's they're obviously trying to get back into the Premier League. You know, the teams are trying to stop Swansea. They're having a decent season. Um, I, I I I can see him playing a few more games next season. It all goes into that debate which we had last week about sort of what do Liverpool do without Salah Mane. When that when they're away, I, I would think I'd be surprised if he didn't start more games for Liverpool next season. I think uh, all the reports that I've, I've I've seen have been positive about the way he's handled himself as well, and you know really got down and stuck to it, and and, and you know taking it really seriously. All right, so that's um, obviously when he might return to Liverpool. We don't know. Uh, Timo Werner, you've written a piece on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, quick he's, update. Well, there is, is no there update any? from last okay. week. No, I mean, I've been like sort of on it like twenty four seven, like just phoning up, saying, "Do you fancy it? Yeah, are you going to do it now?" <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, but he 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 really wants to move to Liverpool, and um, it looks like the next few weeks could be might see some movements. But well, well, you say see some movements. I mean, they're obviously going to be trying to do things a bit quieter and yeah barring him actually wearing a Liverpool shirt Bar, yeah. he couldn't be more public in yeah, his display he's, of affection he's, he's desperate to play for Liverpool yeah alright uh, let's move on uh, road to 19 Campwell's supposed to be a top target for Liverpool um, this summer James Pearce uh, <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't describe him as a no. top target no 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 not, um, certainly someone that they've they've watched and had heavily scouted but um, no I'm not aware of them planning to to make a move for him at the moment all right, it's amazing how be- people have got this fixation on the summer transfer window already. James is looking a bit bemused by that one. <laughs> uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, Paul says, "Give Steve a high five. He's actually changed Saudio's name to Sadio." Oh, well done, yeah. Steve. I've, I've learnt within the past um, five days. Right, here's one. Look, um, we'll have one more after this. But um, Abdi says, "With the outbreak of coronavirus in the UK." Are there any discussions on whether the title parade will go ahead? He's obviously planning a trip, but at the same time, I think there's a, there's a wider question, isn't there, about mm. football, coronavirus, how things might be affected in the next couple of months? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Premier League said at the back end of last week that it was, you know, it, the, kind of all options were on the table and there'd be no, you know, they, they obviously have to take their lead as well from 
from kind of the, the government, um, you know, and, the, and the, the the kind of health warnings that come out. I think, you know, listening to the radio this morning, they were saying that they're, you know, I think a government minister was on there saying that, you know, I think in, in France, I think this weekend they stopped. Is it public gatherings of more than five thousand people? Um, in confined spaces. In confined spaces. So, um, which I take it, a football ground is a confined space. Well. I didn't. I didn't follow. The, I tried to switch off a little bit after the the, 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 <laughs> the Watford game, to be honest. But yeah, I, I think that I think the game still went ahead in 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 France. So I, mean, I know in Italy, obviously, they were all called off, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, they've obviously got the coronavirus to a much. There, there is, there is some speculation, though. Sorry, sorry to cut across here. There is some speculation that in Italy, that that was a quite a financial and political decision to mm. to call because obviously one of the games affected was going to be I think Juventus against Inter Milan, so. That could, you know, by moving it to the end of the season when they're both going for the title, where quids in for everybody. You know, Juventus don't want to play in front of an empty stadium against, you know, going to lose out on a lot of money, aren't they? So they're going to be more than happy to reschedule the game. So You're it so wasn't cynical. like, yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, we've got to do this because we're, we're endangering the public if we don't. I think, you know, the way people were thinking behind the scenes we're probably well let's just sort of accept this and then we'll get the income streams that we would normally get i think the the message at the moment is that there's so few cases in the uk that it's not it's not something that's seriously being discussed in terms of shelving matches or mm. halting the season or playing games behind closed doors or or calling off potential parades. Uh, Tyler, like you, you, you'd tell Abdi Samad to actually book his trip to Liverpool so, well, and enjoy, well, enjoy your time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, James, are you going to offer him a full <laughs> refund? Tell him I'll get the spare room ready. Yeah, no don't, problem at don't all. Worry. The, um, but I think, obviously, it just it, we're all that no one knows, do they, how this is going to yeah. pan out. You can't, mm. you know, the number of cases in the UK at the moment is so relatively small mm. that at the moment, you know, there's no chance a game is being called off. But, you know, you look at other countries where suddenly the the number of cases is rocketed. If that happened here, then you know, of course those those things would then be seriously discussed. Look, we hugely appreciate all your messages you send in every week. There's a, there's loads of them. We'll try and get through as many as we can each week. So that's the red agenda inbox. Uh, we seem to have developed a taste for sort of um, having a conversation with some of your journalistic friends as well. So last week it was Dominic King oh, from the Daily Mail, and this week it's um, oh I actually thought it was Paul Gorse. It's James Gorse. Oh, <laughs> oh it is. Sorry, it is Paul Gorse from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah. He's changed his name to James Gorse and put a picture of James on his social. Media. Ah, and he says, Are you free, James, at the end of June to come on a stag weekend in Liverpool? So oh, there you go. It's a... That was a bit partridge, actually, that wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is Paul Gorse. Yeah, Paul Gorse there. Um, yeah, I'm always available. The yeah. man following your footsteps. Pop World? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There we go. Aston Villa, Pop World, and everything else that goes around this podcast. Uh, that was the Red Agenda for uh, another week. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> if you're listening to this after the Chelsea game, apologies for um, the conversations we were having before about the Chelsea game, but let's hope you listen again next week. Thank you very much to uh, James and Simon and from myself, Steve Hothersall. We'll see you again in a week's time.